Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders around the world. I've got quite a bit of updates for you today. And to my cheering credit, I don't have to do excessive amounts of talking about Satamo because nothing's changed from my previous updates. The application still appears, at least from my perspective, to have major issues that cause me not to, to recommend that you not use it. If you're not getting the same behavior, kudos, please proceed forward. As long as you're able to select it mainnet, I don't see it as an issue. I'm just saying that from what I see, and many other people have chimed in, said they had the same issue. It does appear like there is a fundamental problem. However, I stress it again. If you are able to use it correctly and it's going to the mainnet, then by all means. In fact, I might even recommend, even if you are able to get the switch to work on mainnet, I might recommend that you just do a sample test. Hopefully, if you're on BNB, so you can minimize gas fees or Polygon or something, and just do a sample test to a known main wallet just to make sure that it's transmitting across the way you want to. I'm just saying from what I see of the tool, it has not changed, and it's still doing the same thing, and I would not want anybody out there listening to lose any of their cryptocurrency because that's not a good thing, and I've never had a situation where there was ever mainnet funds sent to a non-mainnet address or how that would even work and of course in my test i purposely did not give them an active wallet so i don't even know what that experience is i can't speak from because i can't see your screen so i can't speak what that might be i'm just saying from what i can see it's not ready for prime time anybody can feel free to contradict if you see a different experience before i get into some of the tokens though i want to talk about some news that i briefly mentioned the other day about Kosovo and the fact that they were cracking down on mining. This was a big thing yesterday. It's been picking up pace. It's getting a lot worse, but they apparently there was a power crisis is what they said to the point that residents were being disrupted by the power drain because the amount of crypto mining started to increase. And of course, the grid, as they call it, was not designed to scale for cryptocurrency, especially in a country like Kosovo. And Kosovo is not a I wouldn't call it third world or anything, but it's certainly not like, you know, Maine, England or Ireland or something that's more developed in terms of its grid. So basically this is affecting residents. They trace down that it's coming from crypto mining. The sources are obvious because these ASIC machines, as they're called, have to stay plugged in all the time. They consume a lot of energy. And then what happens is people will so-called daisy chain them together and they'll just mine Bitcoin every day, all day, constantly running. They generate tons of heat, tons of electricity are, is consumed doing this in order to get the Bitcoin. And, of course, Bitcoin's worth a lot. And then with what happened in Kazakhstan and basically them shutting off the Internet, that already had a large impact. And then you get this over here. Their level of involvement with Bitcoin wasn't nearly as large as Kazakhstan. But any loss of mining activities is going to harm the price movement. And we see that Bitcoin is having some strong price challenges. Ethereum actually went below $3,000. So I'm seeing some strong price movement downward. People have speculated that it's still a bear season. Let me, let me just say, I don't think that's true. I do think that there's kind of a skepticism because of what happened with the whole hearing in the United States with the crypto CEOs. I think there's that. I think there's a lot happening with ETH2O and kind of, are they delayed? Is it going to happen? What's going to happen? The whole Kazakhstan situation, the Kosovo situation now, and more chatter about getting into proof of stake and seeing that every single time we spin up an alternate network like Polygon, what happened with it, with that garbage game completely bringing it to its knees. 
I think there's just a lot of different things that are contributing to a loss of investor sentiment, as I keep talking about the perception of instability. But underlying all of this, you also have just general inflation, which I believe, I firmly believe, has a direct correlated impact on crypto because of stable coins needing to be pegged to the United States dollar. And of course, that then invites inflation into cryptocurrency, which nobody wants. These are all my thoughts, just based on all the data that I'm seeing, but there's a lot that's happening. I'm still firmly bullish of 2022, mostly because I anticipate a blowout come the primaries with, with Republicans taking over and their more lax stance around cryptocurrency than Democrats who all they care about is power consumption do, 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 and hopefully getting away from that nonsense and back to some basic common sense to say, you guys are all individuals. You can make your own choices. We do want to have some smart regulation to help protect, you know, miners that just take the money and run when they didn't give you anything. But other than that, we're going to leave this alone. We know that we can use it to help society, but we're not going to try to lock you down and hopefully minimize dependency on the government systems. That's my hope. So the Kosovo thing is a big thing. Feel free to read about, about what's going on there and especially about the consumption because there's a correlation because of the way that their infrastructure works also to climate change because they are primarily coal-fired power. And of course, coal-fired power is not a clean source of power, generally speaking. It's a strong source of power. It generates a lot of power, but it's not a clean source of power. And they don't, as far as I know, Kosovo does not have any sort of like nuclear plants or anything else as an alternative source that's a little bit cleaner. And I'm pretty sure that they have not adopted you know, any of the other newer technologies, you know, wind, solar, et cetera, because those don't generate hardly very much energy at all. And you have to have a lot of land set aside in order to really maximize the use of those technologies. So it does have a direct correlated impact. And I want to make sure that you understand that everybody is affected when things like that happen, because any loss of mining against Bitcoin is going to affect the overall price movement of Bitcoin, which then affects everybody who trades because Bitcoin is often paired in liquidity to the various cryptos that you deal with. So there's a, it's like a domino effect. Do research on it. It's fascinating stuff. It may bore you, but I think it's important that you understand how, how Peter can rob Paul without realizing it, I guess. Then a couple updates on some tokens that I've been monitoring and I've covered before. Dior token, which I've covered before, the initial pre-sale, so the migration is still going, but they're doing an initial pre-sale that's scheduled to start today. I did confirm on the flyer that that's going to go today. I'm going through the process myself so that I can talk through exactly what the experience was and also share feedback. And they've been very receptive and provided some answers and clarifications on things that I had questions about. And they have a tool where they're doing what's called an IDO. So the IDO is simply a fancy name. Think of it as the equivalent of an IPO, but in crypto land, you can also do it for a relaunch, which they're doing here. And they were clear to say, this is a relaunch and we're offering a, basically a private pre-sale. The way this works for anybody who's listening and you're invested in your token, the way it works is there's two criteria, primary criteria that govern you being what's called whitelisted for the pre-sale. One of them, they did a contract freeze on November 15th, this would have been version two, if I if I recall what striking said. Version two of the contract froze November 15th. If you were a holder 
prior to basically prior to that freeze. So you had bought in prior to that and then went through the freeze while it held and then came out. And then now you're still holding and you didn't second criteria is you didn't sell anything. So you maintained a holder all the way through. Then that basically whitelists you for the pre-sale. It doesn't mean that you can't buy once it's released. And it doesn't mean that you won't get the drop of the V3 tokens. It simply means for the purposes of the whitelisting pre-sale, which is just, it's basically a value benefit for those who held throughout challenging times. They had challenging times with the, like they, we talked about when I was talking with striking, they had the initial contract. They weren't satisfied with it. They went to V2. V2 was kind of okay. But then what happened and the reason that they, I think they're targeting November 15th is that was right around the time that the new CEO comes in because they were having issues with the previous CEO. So they froze the contract to help protect the investors was what was happening. Then they worked to reclaim the liquidity that was being drained via the old CEO. Once they got everything back to a stable point, they opened it back up and basically said, okay, it is what it is. And they were celebrating, hey, look, a lot of people didn't sell out because it's like a trust thing, right? If you trust the project, which we talked about, it shouldn't really matter regardless. It's just, do you trust the project that they're going to take care of you? And I think they did a great job of earning the respect of the holders, that remained by saying, look, we're working to try to get the liquidity back. We don't like this happened. And as I've said multiple times on episodes, you can't stop human nature. Humans are always part of that challenge. And so various tokens are trying to get creative how to solve it. And there's never really a clean answer. And I think they did the best that they could with what they had. So then when they come up with V3, they've rethought the tokenomics. They've changed the inventory. And so you're stake basically the migration how they're going to do it you've already seen the price kind of dwindle and that's because they're draining the liquidity to support the new token so they've been communicative the entire time they are predominantly on social media platforms on a routine basis communicating how things are going doing amas where they can and trying to make sure people are assured that it does take time which is why migrations are painful they always are painful but i think they've done the best to try to communicate what they're doing what's going to happen in the future. And then with this pre-sale as just kind of a benefit to those who did kind of hold the, hold the course and stay say, Hey, we're giving you an opportunity to kind of buy in a little bit early. So you kind of have a jump start in terms of price movement. And I suspect there's going to be quite a few people who were those kind of mainstays who are going to kind of hold the course and, and jump into the pre-sale. But then once it's done, then they're going to have a public pre-sale as I understand it. And that's going to happen roughly around the time of the new contract launch. So they're doing phased approach and very clear delineated phases of how they're going to do it. In addition to strong communications from the team. Again, that's DR token. I will be participating in the pre-sale so I can go through the process, see what it looks like. That also give me a sense of estimating my price, my bags. I did kind of stack up a little bit just before the lockdown because i wanted to kind of increase the bag as many people i think did so i'm curious to see what my bag looks like under the new tokenomics i'm certainly not a whale just to be clear but i have enough confidence and trust in the project that i see no reason to really sell it and i've got enough money now moved all over the place that even if i needed to reclaim some profits i've got at least 12 other places to claim them from at this point so that's dr token and on the SHIB ecosystem, and I'm specifically targeting Bone because Bone is the one that's the, the mystery here. It's not the rest of them. The rest of them are pretty logical, I think, now. But Bone, I keep saying Bone has been designated as the so-called 
governance token of the Shiv ecosystem. Bone is very, I would say, less than 10 cents away from its initial price. And I'm stunned at what I'm seeing in terms of the price drop. It doesn't, it's, it's illogical in just, if it's the governance token and they outright said, this is the governance token, this is what you want to hold. If you want to support votes and da, 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 this is where you want to be. It's the last one I would expect to be sold off. Leash is down quite a bit. And I, that doesn't surprise me any because Leash I think was overpriced. So I would expect some profit sell off on Leash and just people kind of getting out of it because they don't understand what's going on with it. Uh, SHIB, I can kind of see a little bit of sellout just because of what happened in the announcement and people's trust kind of being eroded and it is steadily dropping like nuts. I think SHIB will recover just because of all the strategic partnerships they're doing. It's bone that's got me really confused and concerned. Not concerned. Well, I am concerned as an investor, but I'm confused. Okay, now it just dropped, and now it's about three cents away from its initial price, if I estimate it right. So here's what I'm going to say. I am not your financial advisor. I'm not your accountant. I have no sense of how much money you do or don't have or what you do or don't invest or why you do or don't invest, nor do I want to. I am a guidepost. I provide information that I see as, as an investor just like you. But I do a lot of research in this because I want to learn and I want to understand. And I also, at the Frank, you know, listen, one of my favorite songs of all time is is truly me in, in the core. It's, it's truly me too. I want to be rich. That's me, okay? I want that money. Lots and lots of money. I want the pie in the sky. That is me. And so my investment strategy is purposely built to safely get there. Have I lost money? Sure. Have I spent a lot to get a lot? Yes. I've taken profits and I've been able to get the groove now that I have the right, you know, synchrony of balanced portfolios in multiple wallets. I can point and say, I'm close to where I won't even ever have to do anything as a job that I don't want to do. Obviously the podcast is the job, but I love doing it. I don't want to do anything that I don't want to do. I want to do things that I want to do. That's where I'm not quite at yet. That's what I'm working towards. With this situation of bone, this is my opinion as an investor. If you do not buy bone now, I believe you will regret it in the future. I can't tell you when in the future. I can't tell you how long it'll take to get to that future. But my gut tells me that not buying bone now it, when it's at its all-time low is a huge mistake because something tells me, and it's just my smell test, I can't give you any other fundamentals other than what they said, which is that this is going to be the governance token. This is going to be what powers this thing. To me, that statement just on its face tells me that anybody who doesn't buy it all-time low and loads up on this thing now is going to regret it, shades of Bitcoin all over again, Although the price movement's not going to go that high. I'm talking in terms of percentages. If we look at it now and it's 70 cents, it's all time high is like 40 freaking dollars. Just do the math. If you were able to toss $10,000 at this thing, I'm not saying do it. I'm saying if you could, and you knew in advance that it was able to hit $40 in the past. And that's when it didn't have Shibarium in front of it. That's when it didn't have Shiva Swab. That's when it didn't have any sort of use. If you knew what you know now and you had $10,000 to throw at it, you'd immediately say, I need to go higher. 
I need to throw more. 10,000 is not enough. This thing, I'm Nostradamus, is going to skyrocket. That's what you'd say to yourself. I'm not making a prediction. I'm going off what I see as an investor to me. If it is factually true, which they said it's true, if it's factually true that this token is going to be the governance token for what they are calling their version of a blockchain, thus equivalent to BNB, let's think of it that way. Let me put some numbers on that one. BNB, if I recall, launched at somewhere around a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, or somewhat. Its highest point, I believe, it got dangerously close to seven hundred dollars. I'm just saying, it's up to you. I want you to make your own decision for your own purposes and your own reasons. But I'm saying, for what I see, I. To me, it's 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 a no-brainer, in my opinion, as an investor. And that's all I'm going to say about that one while I watch the price continually drop yet again. And I'm just shaking my head at whatever the heck's going on. Anyway, let's get into some other tokens that are a little bit more fun, shall we? I'm going to cover another token that I covered before. And it's yet another one that it is having a mysterious drop. And this one I do understand because I believe that what's harming it is the number of zeros that's sitting in front of this darn deal, which when it launched was 69 sextillion tokens. Yes, I'm sure that was a joke from them. And as a result, it's had some significant spikes and some significant falls. And I talked about the fact that the developer behind this guy, he goes by the name Nine Zeros, and the mental case behind Dozilla was, we're going to create this vault that identifies trusted crypto projects. And as a result, they have then later released a beta of what appears to be a vault, and it looks like it's solid and sound. It looks like they're holding true to what they said. The problem is that some people found that there was money being moved from this person, Nine Zero's wallet, to other wallets. And there's it's smoke, right? But I went and did a little bit of research, try to figure out, okay, what's going on with the price movement? Because I do have a bag in it. It's nowhere near a large bag at all. Uh, and at the current price... You could buy a lot of tokens for a little. So it's it's actually performing very worse than ID Finance, which I didn't think was possible. But I'm watching the price movement, and I'm seeing transactions. I'm seeing volume. I'm seeing that there's interest in it, at least to trade. It is on exchanges. It has gone through audits. Remember, I mentioned that. It has a solid white paper. They did release a beta vault. They are making actions that seem to be legitimate. And so it's like, well, what's wrong? What's going on with this? Because its price is way down. If I look over the last month, it's down roughly 40 50%. Over the last month, that doesn't sound like a lot. But when you think about how many zeros the thing has and the fact that you can buy a lot for a little, because if you're spending you know, tens of thousands of dollars on something like Satama, I mean, geez, you could basically own the whole freaking token if you did that over here. And then the reflections by themselves are recurrent income. But it just seemed like for some reason... This one is not taking off like it needed to, and I'm not sure I'm not sure what what's harming it the most. But I identified a couple of different key things. First, there was a promise to do a burn on January 2nd, so that's eight days ago, of a certain amount, which they called out 25%, and people held on to the 25%. There was a burn. I watched it on the it's on the Binance Smart Chain. Uh, blockchain's public. You can see it yourself. They link straight to it. And I saw what was going on. 
people I see on social media are complaining there was no burn. There was a burn. I think, this is my theory, that what happened is people misunderstood the 25%. This is my theory. I think because this is the problem with having supply of this size, 69 sextillion freaking tokens, because people's assumption is that you're going to burn the total supply down. And so my theory is that people assumed that he was going to burn 25% of the total supply, right? As opposed to what he did burn, which looks like 25% of the liquidity, 25% of the liquidity, unfortunately for those who are holding and want more burns, this doesn't really change your bag to a significant degree because it's only 25% of the liquidity. And it actually might harm you to have less liquidity versus help you. And I think people assumed that they were just going to burn the token supply regardless of liquidity so that the price would move upward according to this. Now, I don't know the nuts and bolts behind why he chose the liquidity burn because as I see it on blockchain, the liquidity was largely locked anyway. So I'm not sure what the methodology or his thought process was, I assume that what he's trying to do is, because the burn wallet that they use, the so-called dead wallet, as many people have explained, is not a true burn. It's not executing a contract. It's not taking them out of the total supply. It is taking them out of circulation, but it's not taking them out of the total supply. There's no volume around that. But what happens is when you send tokens to the dead wallet, it's still getting rewards. It's still getting reflections. So the number goes up. So technically it's kind of like an auto burn in a sense because that number is going up and up and up and up and up. Gentokens.com has a great video that kind of explains this and shows an example of what that looks like. And so when you see that, okay, there's a logic to sending to that wallet if there's a reflection mechanic because there's kind of this auto reflection going there as well. And those are taken out of circulation. So it basically is like a, it's basically like a diamond hand holder, as they say somebody who's never going to sell because it can't, because you can't access it. Well, now you start thinking, okay, there's a logic to doing that. What I don't know is the logic of liquidity doing it there as opposed to just the general token circulating. That I don't know. And as I look at the token holders, there are not very many. I mean, there's obviously always a top 100 of something, but many of them don't have many, many tokens. I mean, many of them have, you know, like, a couple sextillion or something. Okay, those are those are whales by definition because there's only 69. Sure, but there's not a significant amount that's still remaining that you could feasibly burn without harming the, the project or harming the holders. And it almost seems like the only way at this point that you could see a price movement in the opposite direction would be for people to sell, which is contradictory to what you want. But that inventory, they're holding it, sure, but because there's so much inventory, you're not able to get the volume because now people are just holding. I talked about this in the hold, hold, hold episode. You don't want everybody holding because you need volume in order for price movement. I'm just speculating what I suspect is happening is he may be trying to influence sell activity, which would influence buy activity, to influence volume by way of a burn of the liquidity to force discounts to trigger people to transact it. That's my theory. I don't have any evidence and they seem very sensitive to the topic. They've said 
on the freaking telegram, you know, any mention of burn, we're going to ban you deep, deep, deep. And it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask the question, but I'm just going to speculate. As I said, I got no problem speculating because I can't think of any other reason for the lack of price movement other than the loss of volume. Well, the loss of volume, if I look at the price movement now, it's steadily declining. I do see buys and sells, but the the volume is on steadily decline and the price is on steadily decline. And I do see he's doing burns, but he's burning liquidity. He's not burning the active inventory. And because of how much is still left and because there's so many tokens in the supply that are not being removed by an actual burn execution in a contract, I don't see how you can get to zeros dropping off, which has always been the goal. I don't see how you're going to be able to do that. If the goal is just to keep the inventory and increase the number of holders, like you're trying to assume that you're going to get to a SHIB level holder someday, I guess that's possible, though ambitious, because you haven't convinced people why they should buy into the project because all they're seeing is constant red candles. You understand? So I'm not going to tell him his approach is wrong because I don't know the dude. I don't know what they're doing. I'll sit on the bag because it's so, as far as the amount of money, it's, it's throwaway money for me. But it's a lot of tokens, and as I see that there's enough of a discount, then I would buy a little bit more and buy a little bit more and buy a little bit more, and I probably wouldn't put more than maybe $50 in it at a scratch, maybe a little bit more. But as it stands, it's given me no reason to give significant amounts more money to it because its value is so low at this point. There's just no real reason to do it. And if it's true what other people reported on social media that he was moving money himself, to do sales, but we don't know the reason why because they're blocking answering those questions. We need to get that solved. And Dozilla's on exchanges, so we need to understand how is it possible that he's doing what he's doing and the exchanges just don't care. I mean, we're talking well-known exchanges here like Gate.io. We're not talking Ghetto Indoex. We're talking ones that should be calling it out if it was really a problem, but apparently it's not a problem for them. So it's like, well, how's that working? And with the exchanges, we're not we're seeing just as much activity over there with people trading it, but they're mostly, you know, I don't want to say pump and dump because that's not fair, but they're basically day trading it. They're basically just taking profits out of it, just like Rich Quack, same thing. It's never recovered from the more recent activities, even though certain people are being made millionaires still, but it's never able to get past that glass ceiling. My gut tells me, and I don't know this 100%, but my gut tells me, that Dozilla at some point is going to throw in the white towel and they're going to want to do a migration to a V2. That's my gut. And I suspect that the V2 is going to have a significantly constrained inventory, but it's going to be purposely built to reward those who stayed the course. I suspect the V2 will have an inventory in the trillions. I suspect they're going to do a migration for anybody who held. I suspect they're going to try to reward those who held. And, you know, ultimately there's going to be people who sold for profit or sold out and bought back in or whatever. And I, I suspect that that's going to happen at some point. I don't know if I'm right and I don't know when. All I know is from what I see, it looks like that they're having major issues just getting it back to profitability. And the value is just tanking to a significant degree like we've never seen before. I think it hits all-time low uh, here recently. So, He's getting a lot of flack on social media, and he's just kind of shrugging it off, and he's continuing to build what he said he was building. The burns are happening, as they said, so it's not that they're not practicing what they breach, but for whatever reason, that's not correlating to any sort of strong price movement. So let's talk about an underdog token. 
man, I got to tell you, this one took me a while to just wrap my freaking head around all the nuts because it's an, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say older. It's not older. It's a fairly recent token, but it's been around for a little good bit. But this one just, there was so much drama and, and nonsense around this one. And I, I mean, geez, I thought that freaking, <laughs> I thought that freaking uh, Floki was bad. This one, it's got to have the record. It's got to have the record of just drama and change and shift and absolute downright nonsense to it that for whatever reason, it, you know, they, they've got a decent thing going, but for whatever reason, they were never able to stabilize. And I'm going to talk about that one and speculate what I think happened with this dude. I do have a bag now. I actually bought in recently. I do have a bag now. And I want to just talk about what this is the name of this one is called farmer doge and farmer doge i want to be clear farmer doge this is now the third version of farmer doge incoming a third hasn't come out but it's incoming farmer doge as a project i'm talking just as a project i think has good developers behind it i think they think well and they're they're they have the best intentions best interests of the investors and the whole nine i don't think there's anything like scammy or scummy i think competence plays a part here i think that they have just not they they didn't plan this very very well farmer doge's whole mantra at the time was you buy into this and we will take what you invest and then we will go out and find what we think are the profitable tokens, and we will distribute them automatically to your wallet as rewards. You're not going to have to pay gas to do it. All you have to do is basically hold the token, and we'll take care of it from there. Very simple, very straightforward, very clean. They have a very logical way of doing it. The site's very logical. They were on a growth trend pattern. It only has 10 billion supplies, so it's reasonably constrained, and then it has taxes on buys, sells, and transfers to support what they were trying to do. They built up a liquidity pool. They have marketing and operations wallets. So they were they were planning for sustained, you know, sustained work. Like they did not, this is not one where you would think, okay, they're here and then they're not. This was one where they plan to be here the long term. It's obvious from the tokenomics and the way that they built it out. This particular token has been around since I want to say August, maybe September. I think it was August has been around and they came out with this on the Binance chain and initially it was the larger investors that keyed in on the fact that, okay, this is what we want. This is true passive income. We invest, you take it, you find profitable projects, you send them to us and we don't have to think. One guy even said, you know, I run multiple businesses and I don't want to think about my crypto. I just want it to work for me. This was kind of pie in the sky for those investors. It only got to around four or 5,000 investors-ish total. What happened, and I want to try to summarize this best I can, and I'm going to add them because if they want to clarify, please do. But what, I, what it seems like happened in December, so beginning of December-ish, end of November-ish, the Binance chain forked. When it forks, what happens is they're branching off in order to change the tokenomics, improve the contracts, improve the whole process. 
as part of this, they built other mechanics into the main token. They called this the Bruno Hard Fork, as it's called. And I believe this launched, I want to say it was like the, the last week of November. But it allowed the BNB token to have more tokenomics to it. It allowed more speed of what was happening. A lot changed in how Binance Smart Chain basically worked. And the burn mechanics are very intriguing. I'm not going to bore you with that here, but suffice it to say, this change apparently disrupted the Farmer Doge project in some way. The contract V1 somehow didn't work well with this new Bruno. And so they said, okay, we're going to do V2. So we're going to lock it down. We're going to do a migration. We're going to airdrop. And then we're going to send you some tokens to show appreciation. So they do the V2 and they roll it out. And then roughly about two weeks in, they come back and say, okay, we, we got some more work to do here. The rewards aren't working the way that we need them to work. And basically it's insolvent, meaning that the rewards going out are not being recouped by the taxes and by the way the wallets are managed. They're not, it's not doing it the way we need to. So we're basically going into the red and we don't need that. So they did some work and they locked it down again. And they're going to be launching a V3 now and then doing a migration over to the V3 and do it the third time and hopefully three times the charm. And they were doing giveaways and stuff to try to compensate and kind of say, look, we're sorry this happened again. We don't want it, but it is what it is. And we're trying to our best to make this work. As far as I can tell, the V3 has not happened yet. As far as I can tell. So the plan, I think, is to... Now, in the new contract, instead of the auto rewards distribution they did before, they were going to basically do a manual claiming. So you have to go in and claim it and pay the gas taxes, as they talked about before. And then, of course, that taxes what you is what's used to support this thing. Because before, when you don't have any taxes, it becomes or the taxes aren't flowing the way you want them to, I should say, it becomes insolvent quick. And so... Kudos to them for two points. One, I like the, the the strategy of what they were trying to do and the messaging. And they talked about we're going to prioritize an audit on V3, and we're going to make sure it's done right. We're going to get some Solidity auditors who are – Solidity is basically in the code, right? So we're going to get some auditors. We're going to review this, and we're going to make sure it's right this time and try to iron out all these issues. And they their communication, I think, was perfect in how they told the investors about what was happening. Here's the one thing I would call out just as an investor myself now that I think they should have as a do better. Number one is they assumed that everybody's on Telegram, which I think is a flaw of every crypto. This information should have been on the site. None of it's on the site. There's no mention at all of the V2, no mention of the V3, no mention of the liquidity issues, no mention of any of this is on the website. And I think that's a problem that they should have this on the front page of the website right at the top that just says, here's some information you need to know before you buy into this thing. All of their charts and all their tools redirect to the current version of the contract, and that's fine. I'm saying that they really need to not assume Telegram is your sole source of a thing. Even on social media, it didn't seem to be very well communicated. I heard about it because some random person happened to be mentioned that they were waiting on V3, and that was after I bought into V2. I'm not too concerned about it because I only invest what I can afford to lose. But... I'm saying that the feedback, number one, they need to make sure that that information is prominently on their web page because the web page doesn't care what country you're in and the United States doesn't care about Telegram. I'm sure they talked about in Discord 
and they do have an integration at Discord. People don't use Discord. We have to stop assuming social media. Your website is your source for this information, and you need to have it on there, and it's not on there. I, and it's frustrating because I love their white paper. The white paper does everything it needs to do to explain the project and what they want to do and how it works, and they have a little bit of who on there, and their disclaimer is pretty clean, and they're not talking nonsense like that other one. So as far as white paper and mechanics of the project, I love what they're doing. But I think that they need to shore up, not assuming people are on Telegram or Discord. You need to have this information on your website because your website right now tells you nothing about what's going on. And I think it's critical for investors to be aware of this disruption, even if it's not really going to really disrupt them. Other than that, that's the only thing I had to call out as negative. And I'm, I'm eager to watch the new contract and see what it looks like. And I'm cheering them on because it, it seems like they have the right idea in terms of passive income. And hopefully it all turns out positive it seems like they're working hard to try to get it right this time and i don't know the mechanics of the whole hard fork and how that affected them but it does seem like they're bringing in more developer resources to try to help shore those up on the back end so that's farmer doge farmerdoge.net if you are curious i'm going to check on cytomass later if they publish an update as of right now i don't expect to have anything else this afternoon so i will likely check in with you tomorrow